welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fadel. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am living and have lived for the last 22 years in Portland, Oregon. Before that, I was just across the river in Vancouver um, and then spent some time in Europe and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, (laughs) that's a story for another time. Um, I want to start, like I always do, with doing a land acknowledgement. The place that my house sits and the place where I work is on the unceded territory of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and so many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. This was a place where people came to, you know, enjoy the resources and harvest and, as I understand it, meet up with other groups. And um, it's interesting. I hadn't thought of it before, but I think Portland carries that legacy with it in spite of colonization and white supremacy, it still carries that um, that connection point, at least from my perspective, it feels like it does. So I owe gratitude to the tribes that lived along the river and um, were here before me. And like I said, and will continue to say, I do that in other ways other than um, just doing a land acknowledgement. I look for ways that I can give back to indigenous communities, indigenous products, um, and indigenous projects. So look for ways that you can do that in your area, wherever you, wherever you live on the planet, there is something that you can be doing. So you, if you're not in the United States or Canada, Um, You can look for other ways that you can use the same kind of space holding and awareness to look for ways to give back in your own communities. At least that's what I would like you to use it for. So without further ado, here's the podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, um... Maybe you're jogging down the road, walking your dogs, sitting in your car in traffic, wherever you you are at. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to this because this is, I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's a passion project. And I put a lot of love and energy into it in the sense of, yes, it takes my, my actual physical energy But what I'm putting in is energy and care for you. And I'm thinking about what you might be thinking about or what you might be feeling and facing um, in your life, wherever you're at, whatever your age is. So I try to keep this simple, very accessible, and um, find ways and techniques and modalities that you can easily apply to your own life if you so desire. 
Today, I want to talk about love, and I have talked about love on this podcast before, and I'm returning to it because why not? Because love is amazing. What made me think about talking about this? I had a completely different thing planned, but I was meeting with my therapist this morning, and I ended up kind of going off on the power of love. And I can't even remember what um, focused my attention around that. But I think we were talking about, um, I have this new developing belief that I've kind of come to from the book that I mentioned um, a few episodes ago, which is Chronic PTSD from Surviving to Thriving. And I'll put the link to that book in the show notes because I am now pretty much done with it. The, the last part of the book is focused on books that you can read that he recommends. Uh, you know, it's more like, how do I apply this to my everyday life? But that book has led me to the belief that, and I'm sure this this might um, make some people's hackles go up, but I can't not arrive at the conclusion that everybody is suffering from chronic PTSD. And how if we could address that in our societies, and I know for a fact that that's not just limited to um, whatever American society is, that this is a problem within our world, that the world would look different. And I'm going to flesh this out, this idea out a little bit with you. I, I feel like it's really difficult to get through life without some kind of trauma. And um, yes, there are different kinds of trauma. There are traumas that are extreme, like the way I grew up, my sexual abuse and neglect was incredibly traumatizing and has left me with um, PTSD, which now I also believe is chronic PTSD. So those exist. And um, people like me are <laughs> listening and exist in the world. And probably for the most part are pretty aware that we're traumatized. Maybe we don't know the level or the depth of how it has affected our lives on a daily basis and our relationships. But we know that there's trauma in there especially if you can remember. And that said, I think what that does and what my therapist said is we, we then measure things. So if maybe you had a parent die, but that parent had been incredibly loving to you, maybe you don't consider that a trauma. Maybe your parents had to work multiple jobs. And so even though they loved you and showed up for you, it's left you with 
some trauma because you felt abandoned. Maybe your parents allowed somebody in the home that didn't feel safe to you. Maybe they didn't do anything to you or raise a hand to you, but you felt unsafe around them. That's traumatizing. Anything in a child, I would say, that sets their world off at a at an angle where it it's not loving or the, a child interprets it a certain way can cause trauma and so it's a trauma spectrum it's like i'm not saying that everybody has the same amount of chronic ptsd I'm more saying that it's a spectrum and we probably all have at least a little bit. And so from that, I was saying to her that I think if we all went through life looking at each other as if we are walking around with trauma, chronic, chronic PTSD, that we would be a lot more gentle and loving with each other that the world would look different because the world would be led by love. And for me, love is a transformative act. And it's not a power that very many people can stand up against, real love. And I think some of the reasons that we don't do that is because we have a skewed idea of what love is. And, the, and, and I think that's due to a lot of things. It's due to the way we were raised. It, you know, it's due to who we interacted with growing up. It's the way the people in our lives treated each other and still treat each other. It's what we see on TV and in the movies. It's what we hear in songs. Because I think love immediately gets defined in a sexual or a romantic way. And it and and you can't take that out of love. But love is so much more than that. Because the way we define love or the way that love lived out in our everyday lives, the way it looks lived out in our everyday lives, looks anemic. It looks like it can't stand up to the tests that love needs to stand up to in friendship, in partnerships, in dating, and it also... It also gets, it's just, it's, it's skewed because we, maybe we haven't had a good role model. Maybe we've, maybe we've had this kind of model that just says that we're supposed to, um, you know, turn the other cheek at every single wrong that happens to us, that we're just supposed to lay down and take it. And, and that's what love looks like. Um, when I came out about my abuse in my family I remember them saying to me that you know it's all water under the bridge 
and or, you know, blood is thicker than water. Or the one that really was painful is you just need to forgive. And all of those in a loving relationship or what is supposed to be a loving relationship between parents and children and siblings, you don't, that's not what love looks like. Love looks like sometimes saying enough is enough and drawing a line in the sand. Love looks like loving ourselves enough to say no more. Love looks like caring for ourselves. Love looks like a boundary. Love looks like, you know, protecting our energy and caring for our needs and developing the things we need to survive and thrive in this world. It does not look like forgiving and forgetting. Because the damage is there. The residue from the damage is there. Even if the people immediately, even if my parents had said, oh my God, we are so sorry. How we didn't know and what can we do to make it right or help you to feel more safe and secure and pulled together. I mean, that would have been a huge help (laughs) rather than what I got. Um. Even if they had done that, the residue of trauma was still there. The way that I had to formulate my life to survive and protect myself from future trauma was there. Whether they would have done all the right things or not, it was there and I have had to work myself out of that. And that brings me to this idea, again, of love, because love is transformational. Real love is not this anemic version that bends over backwards, that acquiesces, that lets people off the hook for unimaginable wrongs. It's it's different, and it's fluid, and it, it says no, and it stops perpetrators, and it stands up for wrong, and it looks sometimes not loving. And one of the one of the things that I think confuses people too along with all of the ways love is illustrated that are so fucked up um is that it's similar to self-care because love starts with us. So if I if all of the things that I am doing are working towards loving myself better and and taking care of my emotional needs and my felt needs and not looking always outside of myself for that. That is often considered ego-driven and narcissistic. And it's not. The, you know, if you've ever been around a narcissist, um, it's not loving. It's self-centered. It's all about them. Every moment of every day is about them and not even their needs getting met. Them 
you know, sucking the energy out of a room emotionally, physically, in every possible way. A narcissism is the antithesis of love. Because they're not the same. So taking care of our emotional needs, putting our needs first as much as we can, you know, we still have to live in the world. We're still friends. We're still parents. We're still children. We still have responsibilities. So we can't just say, well, fuck the things that I have to do and I'm going to I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to do what's best for me. It's not that it it is cut and dry, but it's not that cut and dry because loving ourselves looks also loving to others. And what I mean by that is it doesn't look like just telling everybody else to take a hike. It looks like sitting with ourselves and our motives and questioning those motives and not questioning them, you know, where that inner critic is just having a field day with you, but going, okay, what am I feeling today? What am I thinking? Where is this coming from? Where is this need coming from? It's sitting with ourselves and letting ourselves have all the feelings, all the myriads of feelings and letting things be about us and then analyzing that and going, you know, maybe, maybe that was a little too much centered on self. And I don't feel like ultimately that was loving. Just like anything else that we have to learn, we also learn how, how we also have to learn how to love better, starting with ourselves, starting with how can I be more gentle with myself when that inner critic is, is saying, you know, I'm a piece of shit. How can I say that isn't true about me and that is a voice from somebody else? That is not a voice from me. Or when I do something selfish to kind of own that within myself and where I need to make amends or restitution that I do it. That I don't just let it be what it is and just go, well, whatever. For the... For the as best as I can, taking ownership for me is the most loving thing that I can do. It's differentiation. So love in those terms is a transformative act that is so powerful, the results are limitless. And I know that to some people that might sound far-fetched or impossible, but that is the world I want to live in where other people are spending time thinking about how to love themselves and how that love is then transformative out in the world, not taking all of our garbage out and putting it on everybody else. I think, you know, again, that is a loving act. The world would look different if people that were not taking care of their own shit within themselves, if those people were taking care of their own shit and not going out and putting that shit on everybody else. Because then it's just ricocheting off everybody. And then we have to come home and do the things that we've taught ourselves to do, like the tapping and the breathing and letting stuff go so we don't carry other people's garbage around with us. But 
it doesn't change the fact that it is still transformative. And if we went into situations and maybe took a breath or two before we went in, we would do less damage. We would do less damage to ourselves because we wouldn't have to do so much cleanup for those of us that care about how we interact with other people. And we wouldn't just ricochet our garbage all over the place. And I'm talking about real garbage. I'm not talking about, you know, the... We would go into the world holding ourselves intact. And this is a process. We are not all at the same place in our emotional journey, in our, in our journey towards health and stability inside ourselves. We're all in different places. And I think if, if more of us were intentional about that journey, there would be less damage. And those that are at different places, you know, behind us or beginning more in the beginner beginner phases, they could have a, more room to make mistakes that maybe wouldn't be so catastrophic. And those that are farther along than us in this journey of self-love and loving others better and loving creation and creator better could also give us a little wiggle room. It just creates more space for everybody to live fully and be able to make the mistakes they make without it being so catastrophic. One of the ways you can begin to do this is something that I've been trying. I've used it a lot um, on my way to the archery range before I go to have a workshop or uh, an experience is I spend some time thinking about myself. Where am I? What am I feeling? Where am I at in that moment? And then I spend some time trying to let any negative energy or you know, unrealistic expectations or stress and anxiety leave my body. I don't want to bring that to something that I'm teaching. And I don't always get it right. And sometimes I'm rushed and it still ends up being fine. I just know that, you know, in hindsight, maybe I could have been a little more aware. And so Maybe for a week before you leave your house or before you get out of your bed, wherever you're kind of finding that more of that tension building or anxiety and you and you're aware that things are building and you don't want to like put that on your partner or put that on your children or bring that to your job. Spend some time breathing and noticing what's going on with you. So that as you step out of bed or you maybe it's in the bathroom when you're getting ready in the morning, maybe it's while you're making your coffee, wherever you have a little bit of time to kind of think about yourself and then think about the next person that you're going to have an interaction with. Maybe it's your partner 
maybe it's you have to go wake your children up and you want to bring a calm and a peace with you because you know that maybe over the last few weeks you've kind of lost that calm and that peace rushing around then hold space for that person that you're probably going to have the first interaction with like for me when I'm driving up the hill to the archery range I if I remember the names of the people that are going to be there I hold them and say their names and you can call it prayer you can call it holding space attention I just kind of look at myself and go I want to be the best teacher I can be I want to listen and be aware look for opportunities to improve I want them to come prepared to learn I want them to come with an open and an excited leaning you know that they they aren't caught up in their own like fear of learning or fear of failing and I really I spend like I mean it's short I spend like five minutes sometimes less if I remember halfway up the hill start to practice that I think this practice that I have done now for a year or more with archery has translated into other areas where I'm building more awareness. How do I want my interaction to be with my daughter? I don't get it every every time, you guys. Sometimes, and I'm not talking about not being able to be mad. You can be mad if you need to be mad. This is more the energy that you're giving away and the energy that you're putting off. Holding that for yourself so that you can stay the most centered and the most yourself when you're having these interactions. So start small. Start with, you know, your first interaction of the day. I'm going to be seeing my wife when I wake up. Maybe I lay there for a couple minutes and just kind of think about our interactions and How do I want to interact with her? How do I want to give back to her? Staying the most centered in myself. Maybe your your husband leaves before you even get out of bed and you're the first to go in and wake your children up. Or maybe you're caring for an ailing parent. Whatever it is, whoever it is, it's not about you giving yourself away it's you staying fully yourself in every situation allowing yourself to be in that moment with your emotions and giving yourself what you need I'd love to hear if you try these things I'm kind of curious because I know what works for me and I know what I've kind of made part of my everyday life or or my interactions with my clients or my on my workshops. And another thing that I do is I do a similar thing before I meet with a client. And then I kind of sit with myself after I meet with a client for spiritual direction. And I kind of let go what I need to let go for them, but also for myself, like any performance that I feel like I might buy into beforehand. And I check in with myself afterwards and also, if I needed to apologize to a client, I I would immediately. Because I am trying to keep that short account, that fluidity 
where I can provide a calming and sacred and safe space. And we can't do that everywhere we go. Sometimes when I go into the grocery store, I do it because I know that some places um, are more intense and bring up that, you know, crazy, anxious feeling. And so I practice it before I go in. And sometimes I don't practice it when I come out because I, I was fine and I totally forget about it. Just keeping in mind that we're giving ourselves grace to not do it right. It is the most loving act to stay calm inside of ourselves when we can. And that doesn't mean we're staying calm when things are not and shouldn't be calm. It just means we're trying to bring calm with us wherever we go, much like Resma says in his book. Remember who you are. Remember whatever you've got going on, you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. I appreciate all the shares, the likes, the follows, the reviews. It means a lot to me. I am currently taking clients. If you want to reach out to me and set up an appointment, I would love that. I would love to talk to you about all the things and have you talk back to me and all the things. Mainly, I'll be listening to you. I appreciate your love and your care back at me. I can feel it. Take care, everybody.